Hey family, what's good? What's going on today? Hope everyone is doing well. This is Coach Cookie, your life and relationship coach. If this is your first time listening in, thank you so much for joining me today. If you like what you hear, please give the podcast a like, comment, and don't forget to share with your family or friends. To all my regular listeners out there, welcome back. And I want you to know that you're greatly appreciated. Here at Rising Higher, I'm going to give you some snippets for success to not only help you to survive, but to help you thrive. Now, today's episode, I'm going to be talking about what happens to the narcissist when the scapegoat leaves the narcissist. But before we do that, let's talk about the high points from last week's episode called The Red Flags Associated with Narcissistic Abuse. Now, in this episode, I took out some time to talk about some red flags to look out for if you thought you may be in a narcissistic relationship. And then the focus of the conversation changed to help those people who may be thinking about getting back in a relationship or getting back into finding a friend in the on the dating scene what red flags to look for okay so based on whatever your situation may be i provided my listeners with some in your face like duh red flags that will help you to decide if you feel like you're in a relationship with the narcissist to keep you from getting back into that abusive narcissistic merry-go-round relationship that you've been riding on for years right if this sounds like something that you want to learn more about check out the entire episode again it's called the red flags associated with narcissistic abuse i want all my listeners out there to focus on the future that is the hair for you and recognize that there are some people in your life that God does not want you to allow to continue to be with in your future. Believe it or not, God is always communicating with his children and speaking to you. Many people may hear the voice of the Lord speaking to you, but most of the times you ignore it and refuse the instructions of the Lord. So there you are. You have a big reason as to why you continue to suffer and be so depressed because you waddle in your situation and make excuses to stay in that relationship or with that friend. When God speaks to you, he wants you to take those instructions very serious because he's about to do something special for you. He's about to do some special things in your life. He's about to bless you. It will always be of your own greatest interest to listen to God when he is saying to you, let go of that relationship or pull out of that friendship. God is trying to let you know that you have stayed too long in this position and it's time to let them go. You have to move out of that place and go to the place where the Lord wants you to be at so he can establish you and he can bless you. Now, some of the most difficult cases may come as sacrifice for you to be blessed, but this is really necessary for you to walk in the new space or that new place before the doors of blessings as well as favor that you've been waiting for, that you've been praying for, you got to do that before God will bless you, before he's going to open that door. So you must learn to understand the way of the Lord in your life. Now, for some people, this is going to be a struggle because if you are so far gone spiritually that you may not be in tune and be actually aware of when God may be actually speaking to you or if he is trying to get your attention when he speaks to you. (laughs) <laughs> or trying to speak to you. Some of us, we, we just don't know the voice of the Lord. So you you aren't able to obey what he wants us to do. But don't worry about that. Because for the next few weeks on Cookie's Commentary, I'm going to provide you guys with some information to help you raise your awareness by giving you some signs when God could be trying to show you that it's no longer healthy to have someone in your life. Basically, 
that information is going to include me reviewing when God is trying to show you when it's time to remove somebody from your life. Now, I want my listeners to be cautious when God wants you to remove somebody from your life because that's how you that's how you're going to be blessed. And at the more cautious you are about it, I want you to look at it and you'll begin to see some of the signs that we're going to talk about. And when you understand these signs, you will know that the heartbeat of the Lord is for you. So let's kick this off. One of the biggest signs that God wants you to remove somebody from your life is when they become the reason you're no longer moving forward. So most of the time, friendships, friendship is a feeling of humor or, or uh, pleasure or uh, having a good time, excitement. But whenever it gets to the point where you are losing yourself and you're not moving forward the way you should be, it's time to step back, evaluate that situation, look at what's going on and question if it's time for that person to be out of your life. You should know that your relationship as well as your friendship with these people has expired and you need to move on without them in your life. This is going to be important because the new level of people that God wants to lift you in, lift you up into, they may not be the kind of people God wants you to move with into that next level. So he can't take you where he wants you to really go to be with the people you really need to be with if you're still hanging around the people that the Lord don't want you to be with. You have to remove them from your life. When the people in your life become the reason your life has no future, your life as well as your destiny is not progressing, you have been made to stay in a place without any sign of moving forward. That is a sign that God is trying to communicate something important to you. And that is to remove that person from your life and move on with your life. Sounds difficult? That's okay. Go to my website and let's talk about it. RisingHigherLife.com and see if you could benefit from free consultation to see if you could benefit from one-on-one coaching. Now today, we're not going to have the section of the show called Keeping It Real. However, I am going to still answer a question that I received from Nathaniel in New York City. And Nathaniel asked, he said, Hey, Coach Cookie. I have come to terms that in my family, I am the scapegoat and I am making preparations to no longer be the scapegoat in my family. I was just curious and wanted to know what happens to the narcissist and the other family members when the scapegoat is no longer there. I really love this question and I have so much to say about it. That is one of the main reasons why I didn't answer it on um, keeping it real. I decided to make it a main topic for the show today. So let's start off by telling everyone what a scapegoat is for those who may not know. Now, let's think about this for a minute and I want you to answer a few questions for me. Are you a person who had doubts about your self-esteem or your self-worth when you were a child? When things went wrong, were you the fall guy? Or were you the fall person? Did one or more of your members of your family, especially your parents or your caregiver, routinely criticize, blame, or shame you as though you couldn't do anything right? And other family members agreed or went along with this treatment by joining in in the blame-shame game? As an adult, do you feel unsure of yourself or have difficulty experiencing trust in a relationship? Are you drawn to people who repeatedly hurt you? Now, if you answered yes to any of these questions, then it could be possible that you were the family scapegoat or you are the family scapegoat. So in essence, the scapegoat is a person that takes the blame for all the wrongdoings, even the fault of others. The abuser is usually an adult who refused and was unwilling to take responsibility for their own faults. So they needed someone to put their shame and guilt on and that person is known as a scapegoat. For 
a scapegoat it's like someone has their foot on your neck and they won't let up and it's going on consistently and constantly growing up in a family as a scapegoat is not easy because it often leaves emotional scars on the victim let me give you some ideas of what it's like to be a scapegoat you can come up with your own conclusion to determine if you were the scapegoat in your family the scapegoat was told that they were supposed to be able to make changes every day in their lives for example uh, how come you can't be like your brother or your sister or some other crazy demand that the abuser knows that the child could, wouldn't be able to accomplish but made these types of demands daily. Again, the abuser knew the child wouldn't be able to do or, or to change any of them. So when they didn't change the way they wanted them to, to change or become what they wanted to, them to become, the blame was placed on the scapegoat when something went wrong. The dysfunctional family members refused to listen to your reasoning because they knew it would destroy their illusion. They knew that you were telling the truth. They knew you knew what you were talking about, but they didn't listen to you because they didn't want it to destroy their fantasy world, destroy their illusion. Family members came up with anything negative to attack you. They called you lazy. They called you stupid, irresponsible, useless. No matter how hard you tried to disprove those labels, they never missed an opportunity to belittle you. They would talk about you behind your back and had your family members against you. For example, the abuser would tell other family members that the scapegoat was a problem child and these people were warned their, about their behavior and to stay away from them. People were only allowed to come around the scapegoat if they were going to participate in the abuse process. Now that's deep. I want you to think about that for all my scapegoats out there. So after all these years, now you have a clear understanding why some of your siblings got away with things that weren't allowed that you weren't allowed to get away with you know what I'm talking about if you did the same exact thing that they did the other siblings had done you had to pay for it and the other ones were allowed to have flaws and to mess up or to do those things so everyone in the family pictures you as the incompetent bad person that was constantly looked down on as and, and ridiculed about you know so as a result you were isolated no one went to be around you well they didn't want to be around you because they were told, you know, you know, basically they were trained not to be around you. And if they were going to be around you, they have permission to abuse you. A lot of times the abuser is threatened by anyone who may interfere that may speak up on the scapegoat's behalf. If the victim finds a friend or a family member that supports them or makes them smile and feel good about themselves and want to have, you know, take them out and be their friend that person is immediately taken out of the scapegoat's life and the scapegoat would be put back on, on in their place until we're not having that and i know that i know a lot of you guys can relate to that so now that you look back and you think about it think about it now why you were told who could be your friend and who could not be your friend this went all the way on through high school and went all the way on through college where you go where you could go where you couldn't go but at the time you really didn't know why you couldn't be around family members who had your back or have friends who made you happy. Now you know. It makes sense now, doesn't it? But wait a minute. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. There's more. There was no reward for good behavior. In, your, in fact, your proudest achievements and accomplishments were ignored altogether and dismissed, especially if it was not in the abuser's favor to make them look good. You know, if it made them look good, okay, it was okay. If the scapegoat was made to look good, then the abusive adult would, or or the caregiver wouldn't have 
uh, anyone to put off their anger and frustration for them not being perfect. So, of course, for this reason, they couldn't compliment the scapegoat because this would contradict who the abuser said that you were. And it would contradict their position of the scapegoat being a terrible person or being flawed. So we can't do that. We cannot give you any compliments. We can't say how great you were, how, you know, how you did with your with your great accomplishments. And this is really bad because even as an adult, you become very successful in your career and above and beyond most of your siblings and your family by far, but they still minimize or reject it and dismiss your achievements. You know, for example, I can remember this all too well. And I was doing big things like I was the president of the NAACP in Missouri. I served on the Legislative Black Caucus Board. Um, I was a high school teacher and I was an independent contractor as an investigator and uh, an independent contractor for Department of Health, Department of Mental Health. I mean, I did a lot of inspiring things when I was young and my mother or the abusive adults or the abusive caregivers in my life never acknowledged or thought of anything that I had done. Like it was just nothing. It was just like, oh, okay, whatever. If I had a special event at one of those functions, they never would come. They never came. And she had, and really actually they teach the siblings to follow suit by not informing them of any of my accomplishments. So they wouldn't come. So there you have it as an adult. And you're still looked on as the emotional punching bag, even though you are a successful business person, believe it or not. But deep down inside, you continue to allow those negative expectations of the scapegoat keep you from living your highest potential, not only in your career, but in your personal life. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Your self-worth is so damaged. You constantly are in and out of abusive relationships because abuse feels familiar. So now that you know what it's like to be the scapegoat and you may have come to the conclusion that yes, you were once the scapegoat in your family or you may still be the scapegoat in your family. Let's talk about what happens to the narcissist and the other family members when you decide to get up and you leave. Okay, so the scapegoat, you, you'd be like, okay, these people, this, this is not working for me anymore. Let me go. Let me just start out by saying that some of my favorite stories in my coaching sessions consist of narcissist abuse survivors who were scapegoats and they walked away. I just get so excited and simply sends chills up and down my spine. I just get so much joy in my heart because the trauma bonded nature of the scapegoat narcissistic relationship is one of the hardest things a person can do to break away from that type of relationship. Remember that walking away may not always be physically walking away and leaving a situation. It may in some cases be mentally cutting someone out out of your life. But I got to tell you, physically getting out completely is really fantastic. And it does happen, but it's not easy. Now, when it does happen, a scapegoat leaves a narcissist. A few things are going to happen. Initially, they will continue to lash out at the scapegoat even if they're not there anymore. They're gone. So in the beginning when the scapegoat scapegoat leaves, the narcissist, it was going to sound something like this. Who do you think you are? Where the hell do you think you're going? Do you really think you're going to make it without me? You'll be back. You won't make it in the world. You can't make it in the world without me. 
Never. You're nothing but a loser and you're going to be back. Be aware because this behavior could go on for a while. Usually by text, email, social media, you name it. So to all my scapegoats, you have to be steadfast and be willing to block as much of this contact as possible at some point, if the scapegoat does not respond or snap back, then the narcissist person needs to find a new person to abuse them. So you got to be steadfast. You got to block them. You got to, you know, not communicate with them because that's going to force them to find somebody else that they got to snap back on. Okay. So the narcissist now has to find a new way to regulate once the scapegoat is gone for good. So of course, the spirit campaigns often arise when the scapegoats leave. Instead of attacking the scapegoat to their face, the narcissistic person may then use triangulation. Criticism of the scapegoat on public spaces like social media or honestly to anyone who will listen. Maybe even making stuff up about the scapegoat. Anything that will allow the narcissistic person to regulate and to keep using the scapegoat as a punching bag, even from a distance. In addition to the smear campaigns, the narcissist has to also find new targets. Now, these new targets, for the most part, were already enablers in the narcissist's eyes. You know, they were already in the midst of someone else they devalue. But for the longest, they were spared the worst of the narcissistic abuse because the scapegoat was always around. When the scapegoat leaves, these enablers are the people that the narcissist devalue eventually see that the narcissist can't survive unless he has an outlet for his rage. So if he does not get that outlet, he becomes this evil, dark person and people start to see how bad the narcissist behavior really is. And as a result, some of the new abusers, they try to pull the scapegoat back in the narcissistic system for no other reason so that they can stop being yelled or abused by the narcissist themselves. And the scapegoat can't take the punches again. So in other words, they try to get the scapegoat back in there and try to, you know, make up for them being the abused one and they can't handle it. So a lot of times the scapegoat may feel that it's necessary to be pulled back in the, the manipulation and the hoovering or they may step in because they want to protect the people who are now being abused by the narcissist because the scapegoat is no longer there to be abused. Let me interject something right here. Let me be the first to tell you that if you are a scapegoat, don't fall for that. Remember that it's the narcissistic person's responsibility to get a grip on life, take responsibility, and get some help. If they can't do that, then it's not your job to try to save them or anyone else that they're dealing with. You don't owe anyone anything. You don't owe them a damn thing to stop being the narcissist's emotional toilet seat. Stop doing that. Stop being their emotional toilet seat. Those other people can get out too. It's not your job to save them. No human being should ever have to be a psychological punching bag or the regulation tool for another human being. I mean, nobody. For any of my listeners out there and you are a scapegoat or you have been a scapegoat, this is the ultimate act of defiance, courage, and humanity to step away from a narcissist who abused you in this way. Trust me, you deserve so much better than what they did or what they're doing to you. If this is something that you need help with, we may need to talk. Go to my website, risinghigherlife.com. Set up an appointment for a one-on-one -on -one consultation to see if you could benefit from one-on-one -on -one coaching. If you have a question that you would like for me to answer, go to my email at heycoachcookie at gmail.com. And I would love 
uh, to hear from you and answer any questions that you may have. Just remember that when I bring it, I'm going to bring it raw and I'm going to keep it real. Thank you so much, Nathaniel, for such a great question today. And I hope that this message resonates with someone and that you really take heed to it because let's face it, at the end of the day, someone else is going to take the narcissist rage. I just pray that it's not you. If no one has told you guys today, I love you and I'm sending you all a big hug. This is Coach Cookie reminding you to love yourself first as we rise higher together. Be blessed and I'll talk to you soon.